0: what's up guys rick here with your dfs preview for this week's zozo championship and stop disclaimer this event is in japan they're in tokyo that's 13 hours ahead of the east coast in the united states this tournament starts wednesday night for most of us so don't Wait until Wednesday at midnight. Don't wake up early on Thursday thinking you're going to be able to sip your coffee, get your lineups, and get your bets in. It's not going to happen. The coverage starts Wednesday night, at least for me, on Pacific time. But think about it. This is probably going to start, if they tee off, 7 a.m. local, even 8 a.m. local because it's a smaller field. 8 a.m. local would be 8 p.m. It'd be like 7 p.m. Eastern time. Right, So so think about that. And, and I know what you're thinking. But Rick, DraftKings says that this contest goes live at 3 a.m. on Thursday morning. That is wrong. They will obviously move the lock time when tee times come out and all that stuff. So just be aware. We're going to Tokyo, uh, not physically, but via the lock time. Don't be the one who put your dummy lineups in and forgot to. It happens every year. Make sure you get your bets in. You have been disclaimed. Okay, let's jump into uh, course stuff. We'll go through a a really great field. There's a lot to talk about here. Let's not waste any more time. Accordia Golf Narashino Country Club. That is where we are going. And remember the history of this event. So 2019, the year, not the season... Uh, tiger woods won this he beat hideki matsuyama that was at this golf course then when we had the pandemic in 2020 and they moved the asian events to the united states this went to sherwood uh patrick cantlay won that and then last year it went back to this golf course and hideki matsuyama won so this event has existed for three years two of them have been played at this golf course. So when you look at the course key stats model on rickrungood.com, which checks the correlation between every stat and every golf course, you are going to see some extremes because there's only two years worth of data. So we will go through, uh, what the stats say. And then also kind of how I interpret them because they might be a little bit different. What you need to know about this golf course. Um, it is tree-lined, right? There are some spots where you get some overhanging branches, but for the most part, the trees kind of stay out of the way. Ideally, you want to play out of the short, short grass, but it's not a super big requirement. And you're going to have two greens uh, at every scoring area, right? There'll be an A green and a, and a B green. And that is normal and common in Japan. Uh, it is uh, It allows them to kind of uh, limit and 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 ration traffic and and one of the greens uh might be a different strain at some of these golf courses in Japan because you get an opportunity to uh have like winter greens and summer greens. the ones that we're playing here uh they're they're bent grass and if your ball lands on the other green, you get a free drop you do not have to chip it off of that green, so you might see a little bit of that this week and uh you imagine as with most uh high-end golf courses in Japan, this place is going to be absolutely manicured. They they take such great pride in the way these golf courses look. It's it's going to be uh generally in in very very good shape. When you look at the scorecard, uh you're going to start, you know, doing the math like adding it up. I, I I tweeted this out. So this golf course, uh it's going to play to a par 70, 7,079 yards or so. Uh The key thing that you'll note is that there's actually five par threes and only three par fives. So you get a lot of, you get a lot of par threes here. You'll also note the par fours. So that leaves what? 10 of them. They're either all, they're either very short or very long, right? Not drivable short, but it's either like, uh, 400 yards or 490, right? There's not a lot in between there. You get 405, 363. Uh, I guess I could just show you the scorecard. Here you go. So four, you know, 405, 363. Uh, those are two shorties. Then you get 505. Then you get 395. That's a shorty. Then a long one, 486, then a short one, 400. You, you get the drift here. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it the rest of the way. So either very short or very long, N5 Part 3. So it's it's quite unique. There, it's not like it's every single hole is going to be uh driver wedge, uh, which I which I think makes this interesting. I, I think it makes it a pretty good test. The green speeds will run generally uh slower than what we see on the PGA tour. The stimp will probably be around 10 and a half, which is which is quite slow. Um I, I don't see a lot of difficulty on these putting surfaces and they should be absolutely pure. They should be running um running super clean. The key stats model, so it ranks driving distance number one, which means that out of every single golf course on the PGA Tour schedule, driving distance was more correlated to success at Accordia Golf Narashino than any other course. Uh, around the green was number three. Off the tee, in general, was number eight, which makes sense because driving distance makes up uh, a significant portion of that. But you'll see that driving accuracy was like dead last. So. What do we what do we do with this, right? We've got a lot of extremes. Again, noting that I would not take this as seriously as I do most week because there's only two years worth of data. You go back and you look at the quotes. Um, you'll hear guys talk about kind of narrow fairways and uh, better than not to be hitting out of the fairway because of some of the tree lamps. I think if you bombs away and you're playing out of the rough, it's not going to be super penal. Uh, but obviously the main thing is finding the green in regulation, giving yourself a, a chance at at a birdie putt, uh not have to having to play from from green side, not having to, you know, make five footers for par. So when you look at things like off the tee driving distance okay i might lean towards like good drive percentage good drive percentage is uh, whether you either hit the green you either hit the fairway or you hit the green or fringe and regulation it basically says did you not play yourself out of the hole off the tee we use it at a lot of claustrophobic golf courses we use it at like harbor town a little bit um, even, even like Pebble Beach, because they have small greens, that it's, it's, it's highly correlated there as well. So good drive percentage might be something that we look at uh, when we start going through this a little bit. But I think there's a lot of different paths to success here, uh, most of them via the ball striking categories, and see if you can make enough putts to take this thing down. The other thing I'll note before we go to the cheat sheet, and... Um, I was thinking about this and Andy, I was, I was just reading Andy's article, which is available on rickrungood.com. He breaks, breaks down the golf course and uh, he did a better job at describing kind of the different paths off the tee than I did, where he kind of talks about this being similar to Colonial, which is kind of tree lines, but it still gives you... Options, right? You can be a short hitter and find the fairway, or you can try to cut corners. You know, you can try to take on more. So I, I like the idea that he kind of illustrates in terms of uh, some of the options that are given off the tee. He did a better job at putting that into words than I originally did. So I wanted to circle back on that. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it's a small field. There, there's no cut. You're going to get four guaranteed rounds, barring a, a disqualification or a withdrawal. You're going to get some names from you know, the Japanese tour that you might have never have heard of. You might get some amateurs that we haven't heard of. It's a it's a, it's a solid field um, that we're going to probably get this week and next week for the CJ Cup as well. So uh, I, I guess without further ado, let's jump right into this cheat sheet. Oh, the top of the board, the 10Ks. 10-8, Xander Shoffley, 10 Hideki Matsuyama, 10-2, Colin Morikawa, 10,000, Sung J.M. I already see the odd man out. Uh, we'll get to him in a second, but talk about Xander. He's the most expensive. He should be. Uh, he's the best player in this field, basically no matter how you want to slice this up. Last 36, he's gaining over two strokes per round. He's the only guy with enough rounds who's gaining more than 1.9-ish. Uh, he's gaining 2.1. That's the last 36. Last 24, he's probably also the best player in the field. Yeah, last 50, he's probably also the best player in the field. Yep, he is. So like any way you want to slice this, Xander Schauffele is is, kind of your best option, right? And what I love about him, uh, not only is this a no-cut event, but the reason that he's so good in no-cut events is because he doesn't have any flaws in his game, right? When you start looking through this stat profile, you see an incredibly well-rounded golfer who's capable of gaining two or three strokes off the tee, four to five on approach, one to two around the green, and then two to five with the putter. I mean, it's just, it's so solid. So the reason... Why he's good in no-cut events is not because he magically frees up his brain and gets four rounds guaranteed and he starts playing better. It's because guys like this rise to the top. When you don't have any flaws, it's kind of hard to go backwards. And when you're really good in a lot of different areas, it's just a matter of time before you start taking over the field. And that four guaranteed rounds often gives him an opportunity to play better than the field four times and... Put himself in contention. And now he's winning more frequently. Um, You look at his Zozo championship history, and you got to do it for uh, just the two years that we've played here. He's gone 10th and 28th. And if you want to add in any more. Good Japanese vibes. Um, He obviously won the gold medal, uh, not at this golf course, but at Kasumi Giseki, uh, outside of Tokyo uh, in 2021. So, So plenty of good vibes there. Hideki Matsuyama, when he plays in Japan, he turns into just an absolute superhero, runner-up to Tiger here in the first year. He won it last year. What I like to see from Hideki is that this stat profile is starting to stabilize. Okay, so we had a really bizarre stretch of golf from Hideki uh, this summer where there were a ton of live rumors. He withdrew from the 3M. He got DQ'd from the Memorial. He missed like an ugly cut at the Scottish Open, didn't play well at the Open. It was just like a really ugly summer. And we're at least starting to see that stabilize a little bit. You know, he finishes T11 at the Tour Championship and T25 at the Fortinet, but he gained strokes on approach in both of those, two and a half and 3.6. The putter uh, looks to be better. The only place that we're kind of missing vintage Hideki is off the tee. So that's a little bit worrisome, right? I don't want him to to, to start spraying it around, uh, getting himself into some of these trouble, uh, trouble spots uh, off the fairways, not giving himself the proper angles to these greens. If he can keep his ball and play off the tee, just absolute top-notch stuff. Uh, if you want to throw in the Japanese, or excuse me, the uh, Olympics uh record he was in that huge playoff for a bronze medal i think it was seven guys for the bronze he did not win it so he is credited officially with a fourth place finish there at the olympics so that's you know no problem as long as the deck you can keep this thing in play the guy that were all like guaranteed right it's monday morning guaranteed to be overlooked for a while is Colin Morikawa because Sung Jae Im is ten thousand dollars. Tom Kim is ninety seven hundred. Those two absolutely phenomenal. Let's do a deeper dive into Colin Morikawa here, and uh, you know he has played at this golf course. And he has alluded to the fact that you have to play out of the fairway. That's what he did um, in 2022, the season, not the year. So that was last year, finished seventh, finished 22nd in his first trip. And he gets super rewarded for being accurate off the tee. And he gets super rewarded for being one of the best uh, approach players that we have on tour. Now, uh, the last measured event we had for him was the tour championship, gained five strokes on approach, Lost 6.7 with the putter. Obviously not great, but it is not... That's not out of character for him, right? When you start looking at different golfers and you start seeing guys that do things that are very uncharacteristic, that's concerning. Even if it's bad, like it is here for Colin Morikawa, it's not really that uh, unordinary, inordinary, It's, it's This is commonplace for him, right? So... He loses six point seven strokes putting at the Tour Championship. Well, he's had massive losses before. He's capable of losing at least three with the putter. Did that at the Charles Schwab. Did it at the Match Play. Uh, lost five in Abu Dhabi. Lost five at the BMW Championship last year. Lost four and a half to Tour Championship last year. Maybe he just doesn't like the greens at East Lake, right? Because that's like eleven strokes he's punted on the greens in the last two years. But what is he also capable of? plus six at the Genesis, plus five at the U.S. Open, plus three at the Scottish Open, plus two and a half uh, in his start previous to Eastlake in Memphis. So this is right on brand. I'm not worried about this in the slightest. You might get a really bad putting week from him, but you might get a plus three and he wins the golf tournament as the lowest owned of the 10K guys because Sungjae Im is... The shortest odds-wise he's ever been nine to one is what I saw him at this morning. It's the shortest he's ever been. He was eleven to one at the Honda Championship. I believe it was last year or the year after. I think it was actually both years. I guess I could just look it up. Why don't I just do this instead of randomly speculating? Why don't I just actually look up his odds here? So he was ten to one uh, last week at the Shriners. Eleven to one to twenty twenty two Honda Classic. Uh Which was earlier this year, that was in February, so now nine to one is what I saw this morning, so the shortest odds on Hideki Matsuyama, and dare I say very well deserved you are not you're unlikely to find a a a golfer in better form than Sung Jay right now in all the right categories, right, so if we go back to the three m open that is one two three, four, five, six starts but only five of them are measured because one was the president's cup that's four finishes inside the top 12 three runner-up finishes and a seventh place last week in las vegas where he and he has gained ball striking in all of those uh t to green in all of those putting in all of those off the tee in all of those i mean just an absolute unbelievable run uh so let's do this let's do so five starts would be 20 rounds i'm gonna cherry pick this but for this stretch of golf that Sung Jae Im is in, he is gaining 2.34 strokes to the field. It's the best of anybody in their last 20 rounds. It's better than Xander. It's better than Tom Kim. It's better than everybody, right? Nobody. So I I completely, completely get this. Um, The game is so sharp right now. Love everything about it. I'm not worried about the travel. He did not play this event last year, finished third in 2020. Uh, So I think it's fairly reasonable to look at this 10K range and even look one more spot down, especially with Tom Kim, who has now won, what, twice in his last three starts and was a hero at the President's Cup. These top five golfers... uh Colin Morikawa has to be the odd man out here, right? And we'll see later in the week when we get to Wednesday on the live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern time, Rick Rungood YouTube channel. Like we'll know what the projected, projected ownership is. We'll get that all dialed in. But I, I imagine unless everybody who's making lineups is watching this and thinking the same thing, uh, that Colin Morikawa is going to be the odd man out here, which is very, very exciting for some of um, some of the fantasy stuff. Uh, Tom Kim, boy, you know, I thought. I think I said I was a six out of ten, six out of ten on him last week. I thought the pendulum had swung a little bit too much uh, in favor of the hype train. That is Tom Kim. That's on me. He went out and he gained six strokes on approach. He gained six more with the putter. He won again. I don't know kind of what this kid is going to end up being, but it's really, really special right now. And the incredible part is, despite his uh, lack of distance off the tee, which is really the only one. It's not even a flaw. It's just not elite. He has gained strokes off the tee in every event since the U.S. Open. He has gained strokes on approach in every event since the Scottish Open. He has gained strokes with the putter. I'll I'll give him this one. 3M Open, he was minus 0. .02. I, I'll, I'll give him that one. C- call that a zero. He's lost strokes once, uh, and it was in Memphis with the putter, finished t13 that week so we are seeing a really confident golfer who now has a very experienced caddy on the bag in joe scavran and we are seeing someone who is on top of his game uh really interested to see what the rest of the industry does because this 9k range has has some pretty interesting options um you know tommy fleetwood right tommy tommy lad might be back here right are we are we ready for the deep dive on tommy fleetwood so he played uh, He played last week. He played in Spain. Finished T39. That's like one of his worst results dating back to the U.S. Open where he missed the cut. But it was two fourth place finishes at the Scottish Open and the Open Championship. A T22 at the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship. He has not played a lot, but look at this. This is a well-rounded golfer who has gained strokes from T to green in every event except for one since the API. That was in March. Uh, short games there. Putters there ball striking is back, right? I mean, remember he went through some slumps where he was really struggling in the ball striking categories. I I think Tommy, Tommy Ladd is back here. And then you start to look at, um, what he has done at this event. It's a 22nd and it's a seventh place finish. So I'm pretty excited about Tommy Fleetwood. There are a couple of, um, I'm going to write this up in my run good rundown. It's a newsletter that I send out every Wednesday morning with like Stats and stuff, stuff that just like come I come across in the research process that I don't end up saying or it like comes up later in the week or just things that didn't make the cut. I just throw it in an email and I email it out. One of the things I'm looking at is the really kind of unique structure of this scorecard, right? So you've got five par threes, three par fives. That's unique. You also have a situation where the the par fours are either short or long. There's nothing in between. There's no like middle length. Par fours. The one thing that you're going to see Terrell Hatton show up in is the par threes. Like strokes gain par threes. The guy just the guy's a great iron player. He gives himself a lot of looks. He just he, he shreds par three. So I already did a little bit of preliminary stuff on that, and you're going to see Terrell Hatton's name pop up probably in the top five. I don't have it. I don't have it in front of me, but um, a very good par three player when it comes to strokes gained and now you look at his results and that's three top eight finishes in his last seven starts t8 at the Wyndham, eighth in italy and a t7 at the offered dunhill links championship so we've got a pretty solid option you go back a little bit further than that you can even get a t11 at the open championship and a t24 at the scottish open so again the 9k range feels pretty dependent on what people are going to do with tom kim if everybody runs to tom kim uh, okay. That gives us some options for long, straight, accurate drivers like Victor Hovland or, or, or Cameron Young. It gives us options for some of these specialists, like maybe a Terrell Hatton. It gives us options for Tommy Fleetwood, who I think might kind of be back longer term and has, uh, basically the, the best course history out of anybody in the nine K range. So the nine the k's feel a little bit dependent on, uh, the way that the industry treats Tom Kim. The one guy that I am a little bit worried about and I'm probably going to need to take a little bit of a wait-and-see approach on, is Corey Connors here. So it's uh, the the obvious thing is that he was um, horrible at the President's Cup, 0-4-0, and he will tell you that himself, that he was horrible, right? I'm sure he would agree. Uh, I'm sure that did not go the way he wanted it to. Um, It's not really just that. You know, the Fortinet, he missed the cut as one of the most expensive golfers, uh, didn't play particularly well, lost strokes from Tita Green, though, I will admit all of that was from around the green play. And then the tour, the tour championship, he finished 26 and he lost eight strokes with the putter. So now you're looking at three events where you're kind of scratching your head about the status of Corey Connors. I think in a vacuum, if, if we were getting vintage you know, like 89th percentile Corey Connors this week. If I, if I knew I could get that, I think this golf course would be a pretty good one for him, right? He's, he's good on the par threes. He is um, a great driver of the golf ball. When he does miss fairways, he doesn't miss by much. So this is a guy that I think I could warm on as the week goes on right now. I want to take a wait and see approach. I know by the time we get to Wednesday and I start to see ownership and someone in the live chat is going to ask me, Hey Rick, who's someone that you've cooled on? Who's someone that you've warmed on? Corey Connors is probably an early candidate for someone I could I could convince myself on because the other side of the argument is 100-round um, Corey Connors is phenomenal, right? Like, let's just go to, like, 100-round Corey Connors. Um, he is the 11th best player in the field. And that includes guys with literally four rounds of sample size. So he's probably like the eighth best player in this field in terms of uh pure ball striking. He's the second best player in the field behind Victor Hovland. So 100 round Corey Connors is really, really good. I I think I might, uh, you know, kind of just write his name in pencil over here, keep an eye on him as the week and see if, uh, I can be swayed one way or another. Okay. The eights. Uh, you absolutely have to love the 8K range. A lot of really good options here. Similar to last week's, uh, I think it was the 9K range last week. This 8K range looks super exciting. Um, I'm not a huge Keegan Bradley guy, but he's got the course history, right? 13th and 7th. He, the last time that we saw him was a fifth place finish at the Sanderson Farms. If you want to play Keegan Bradley, more power to you. I, I might dabble a little bit myself. Great driver of the golf ball total driving when he's at his best. Like, I I get it. This There's a reason why he has had really good success around here. Uh, let me deep dive a little bit further into Siwoo Kim, because this is now a trend that we are seeing with Siwoo. So if you've not been paying attention, and and last week was the first week that you saw, or maybe you only watched the President's Cup, Siwoo uh switch to the broomstick putter, right? That long putter. And he should have. Because look at his numbers from the end of last year. His last three events of last season, he lost 23 total strokes with the putter. Minus six, minus five, minus twelve point two. What I love about this is Cebu said, well, what the hell? I'm an elite ball striker. If I lose twenty-three strokes putting in three in three events, I've got no chance. I need to try something. He debuted the broomstick at this Asian Tour event, which again, um, this is why I love RickRunGood.com. It's probably why you should love RickRunGood.com. I've got Asian Tour, I've got European Tour, I've got Live, I've got Corn Ferry, I've got Senior Tour, I've got PGA Tour. So when, especially when we have an event like this, where a lot of these guys are coming from either Japanese exemptions or coming from Asian Tour play. We're getting a complete look at at where they're teeing it up. So he uh, he put the broomstick into play at the Shinhan Donghai Open. He finished fifth. I have We don't have the strokes game breakdown from that. Uh, so we don't know how he putted, but obviously putted well enough to finish inside the top five. Then the President's Cup, he was what? He was the top point scorer, wasn't he? 3 oh, and one something like that? 3-1-1, one, one, whatever it was. He, he played great, uh, putted well enough to the eye test. Last week was the first time we actually got shot link data on his putter. And he gained two and a half strokes, two and a quarter, finished T8, that's all he needs to do, right? When you're a ball striker to the to the level of Siwoo Kim, plus seven in the ball striking category last week, and historically just, just an absolute flusher, uh, all you need to do is like gain two strokes putting. So this is really exciting. This is really interesting. Um, if he unlocked something, if he fixed a leak in his game, that would be awesome. He finished 18th and 37th at this event. So there's uh, some real reasons to get kind of excited about that then you get then you get sahith who outside of the miscut to sanderson was on a great run so we haven't seen him in a couple of weeks uh tom hoagie who was in the optimal lineup last week now has three consecutive top 12 finishes four top 12 finishes in his last five starts finished 17th at this golf course last year that's very exciting um cam davis cam davis you know he that 37th place finish last week in Las Vegas was not that bad. It was Sunday. He was even par on Sunday. And if you're even par around TPC Summerlin, um, you are getting lapped. You know, if he goes out and shoots the field average, he finishes T15. If he beats the field average, he shoot, he's, you know, T9. Now, that's an easy game to play. But you if you zoom back and look at this, Outside the miscut at the Fortinet and one even par round on Sunday last week, this has been a stretch of golf, uh, of excellent golf dating back to the John Deere, right? Piling up top tens, piling up top 15s, and playing well at the President's Cup, right? Was one of the stars for the international team. When he goes well, he drives it long. His The rest of his game, you know, I used to describe... Cam Davis is kind of this raw talented Aussie who needs to like figure out the reins and figure out his body and get it all dialed in. Yeah, I think he's gotten it all dialed in, right? Uh really good with the wedges, uh turned into a a, a plus putter. This this is the the natural maturation process and growth that we want to see out of these really raw talented golfers and and Cam Davis is just an absolute perfect example of that. Um who else? I mean, this AK range is stacked. You know, Maverick McNeely uh, kind of broke through his TPC Summerlin struggles last week and finished 10th at Shriners. Mito Pereira, who I believe was also in the optimal, finished fourth last week. So now he's got a fourth place finish on the resume. Um, Scott Stallings, who is literally one of the hottest golfers in this field. Last 36 rounds, Scott Stallings is, is three quarters or two thirds of a stroke over His baseline, his 100 round baseline. So you're talking about a golfer who's playing much over his head, and he's not even doing it via the putter, right? He's actually worse in the last 36 with the putter than he is to his 100 round version of himself. This is the trends tool. This is stuff that helps helps us identify. And then I think maybe you know the most. I don't. Maybe this is exaggerating, but like I'm just really excited to see what Sebastian Munoz does. Sebastian Munoz does, right? I mean, he was splendid at the Presidents Cup. Uh, Captain Trevor probably wishes he would have ran him out there much more often. And what you know you can get from Munoz is when he's going well, he's going to drive it really well, and he's also capable of getting scorching hot. Um, And if he is going to win this event, which is unlikely, but if he's going to contend, like he's going to have to find that ceiling. I do think it is worth noting that this is not... uh, I I can't wait for the strength of field to come out. This is a great field, but it does feel a hair lighter than, um, like most of these WGCs or invitationals or seventy-eight man no cut events. It does feel a hair a hair lighter. You know, Patrick Cantlay is not here. Uh, Rory McIlroy and John Ron, like these guys aren't here. Where I feel like in past years or when. Um, you know, when we, when we were in Vegas for Shriners and then immediately to the CJ cup, it was much easier to get these guys. So it does feel a little bit lighter. So I still don't think a guy like Sebastian Munoz necessarily wins this golf tournament, but I do think he can contend. And that's kind of what he did last year, right? Finished fourth, uh, at this golf course, he finished 14th Uh, At Sherwood, obviously different golf course, but a similar style of field, similar style of play. So uh, really excited to see what what Sebastian does in this one. The 7K range. Uh, I'm going to go back to the trends tool because if you notice, over the last 36 rounds, Of the four hottest golfers in this field, three of them are in the 7K range. So I'm going to go back to that. So that's Emiliano Grillo, 7,700. He's playing a stroke per round over his 100-round baseline. Matt Wallace is doing it as well, $7,200. And Steven Yeager, $7,100. Steven Yeager is also going to show up in that strokes gain par 3 Conversation. Steven Yeager had himself uh, at least one really stellar, stellar round last week. Yeah, so two of them. He shot a 66 on Thursday, a 67 on Friday, he shot a 68 on Sunday. The only thing that really he couldn't do is he shot a one over 72 on Friday. So I, I generally am okay with that. You know that idea of that one bad round. Um, I'm not super worried about it. So those are three guys that peel off at the top of the trends tool. They're also probably three guys that you want to invest in in the jock market. So. Shock market is stock market DFS. Tom Kim last week IPO'd for $6.69 a share, meaning you could have bought shares of him for $6.69, paid out $25 a share. Patrick Cantlay, despite finishing second, um, he got a $20 per share payout. So he doubled your money because he IPO'd for 1081 I really think this is a good week to invest in these golfers because again, what we have seen from these four round events, short field, top heavy, is generally one of the one of the big boys wins it. That, that is generally what happens at these um, playoff events or whatever. So the good part about jock market is you're not asking them to win. You're just asking them to outperform their expectation. SH Kim, perfect example. 366 last week on Wednesday finished uh, and, and got paid out for 14 bucks a share. So you made more on SH Kim than you did on Patrick Cantlay per share, and he was much lower risk. And all you're asking them to do is outperform their expectations so that's the the 7k range feels like most weeks those are perfect guys to be investing in in the jock market but i feel like this week specifically because of the seemingly low win equity that they actually have uh use the code rick on jock market there's a link in the description it'll get you a hundred dollar deposit match and then joe idoni and myself do a power hour every wednesday night uh where we go through the pricing in real time uh, you can bid, all that fun stuff. So check that out. It's on the Rick Good YouTube channel. The 7K range here. Uh, worth noting, Matthew Neesmith, awesome last week. Lucas Herbert, great last week. So now we've got two really good starts for Lucas Herbert in a row. Uh, Top 20 at the Shriners, and then a fifth place finish at the Italian Open. You go back a little bit further, a 15th at the Open Championship, a ninth at the Horizon Irish Open. He's been playing well for probably longer... Than we want to, than we care to admit, uh, he is a little reliant on the short game. But you can see he's actually been over the last thirty six rounds. He's longer than his peers. You know he's gaining distance off the tee. He's gaining strokes off the tee. Uh, he's a little less accurate than I would like, but not to a a detriment. The guy that really stands out is Sepp Straka, which is a sentence I, I don't think I've I've ever imagined. I would say. Uh, but clearly Sep found something. This is a stat profile that you do not see often. A golfer completely lost, missing six consecutive cuts, losing, you know, five, six, seven, or thirteen strokes from T to Green, which is what he lost at the Wyndham Championship. And then something clicks, uh, something happens because since then he's been phenomenal. Runner up, T7, runner up. Plus three. Or sorry. Plus four, plus three and a half, plus four point seven on approach alone. The tee to Green numbers, phenomenal. The putter, that never really left him. Even during the, the the missed cut stretch, he was he was putting fine. Um, so now he has seemingly solved it. I I I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I think it is worth uh Probably some investment this week because what I like about Sepstraka, and this is not true for all guys, Sepstraka's ceiling is quite high. Sepstraka's ceiling is is winning golf tournaments on the PGA tour. You know, for him to win at uh Honda, right? That was the where Shane Lowry got wet and melted. Yes. Honda. And then for him to finish second in Memphis, a playoff event, and then move up the leaderboard. Remember, he started like 25th at the tour championship, moved up to T7. I don't know if that's exactly right. He might have started a little bit higher than that, but moved up the leaderboard. And then he finishes runner up at the Sanderson in a playoff, losing a playoff. So, I mean, th- th- that's a pretty impressive ceiling when you get access to that ceiling. Um, the other guy here is the guy that Straka lost to, which is Mackenzie Hughes, uh, who is coming off of that win. Now that was two weeks ago, so it's not like immediately following up a win. And this this is always a sticking point for a lot of people. Do you play a guy in the in the start after a win? Um, for, for the stars, generally it doesn't matter. Actually, sometimes you kind of want them because they are riding a heater, they're playing well, they're confident. A guy like Mackenzie Hughes, who doesn't have a ton of wins under his belt, It's a little bit hairier on whether you want to run him out again. I will say that I'm uh, more excited to play him than not this week because he was kind of trending towards that victory, right? He went T-46, T-25, win. You could see him plugging kind of the leaks in his game, and he has been, for at least those three, hitting the ball really well on the second shot, and we know he's just a great putter. The one problem that we're going to have with Mackenzie Hughes is he just can't play himself out of this off the tee. Okay, You can see he is a constant loser off the tee. He's lost like eight in a row. Um, But he won by losing less than a stroke off the tee. That's what we need this week at this golf course. And it is not obviously uh, uncommon for him to do that because he finished fourth here last year. So you might be getting a guy that no one really wants to play who is playing great, obviously just one and has good course history. I'm like a six and a half, maybe seven out of 10 on Mackenzie Hughes. Um, most weeks I'd, I'd probably be less than that, but I I think that we are in a position where he is certainly, certainly worth a, a, a nod. Um, Steven Yeager, I mentioned, you know, he's $7,100. He has not missed a cut since the 3M Open. Obviously, a cut is not going to be an issue this week, but that says that he is constantly getting himself in the upper half or the upper third of these fields. We know that he's kind of a a really strong um, part three player, and we know that he is capable of getting hot or playing well for at least multiple rounds out of four. Going to need all four of those this week, but someone that I would not mind rostering at $7,100. There might be a little bit of temptation to go to like a Brendan Steele team no putt guy who finished second here at last year, Luke List, a team notebook guy who finished seventh here last year, probably not going to get there on either of them for me. Um, you know, you can obviously make your own decisions here, but, uh, these two, you know, we'll start with Brendan Steele. He literally needs to hit the ball like Rory McIlroy. I'm not exaggerating statistically ball strike it like Rory McIlroy to out hit his putter, which he has not done. Um, and he's missed three cuts in a row because he has, has not hit it like Rory. He's hit it above tour average but not like rory and the putter is still absolutely horrible luke list um has basically done nothing since his victory at the farmer's insurance open right i mean this this was back at the end of of january he has one top 20 since then i believe it is uh travelers he might add one more no i think that's it one top 20 the travelers t19 he has missed five out of his last six cuts and he finished 73rd at the sanderson farms he is uh hemorrhaging strokes uh, on the putting greens and around the greens this is just this is just not good enough so unless we're going to get a sep straka like click something happens it does not seem plausible to roster either one of those guys i'll take a pass despite the uh one good year of uh course history there the 6k range so we're gonna get a couple of items here. Let me sort this by strokes gain total because what this is gonna do is it's gonna allow us to look at the guys that are uh, also playing on the on the European tour. So, or excuse me, the Asian tour. So we have Kaito Onishi. I don't know anything about him. All I can tell you is he he missed the cut at, at the Asian tour event that Siwu played the the Shinhan Donghai Open, but in his start before that, the Asia Pacific Open, he finished runner up. Uh, we don't have the strokes game breakdown from those. I'm, I'm just telling you, he is a flat $6,000 and those are the two results that we have on him. I also have some results on Tomoharu Atsuki, um, but they're <laughs> three, it's three starts over a year, right? It's the Zozo championship last year, 35th, uh, the Zozo championship two years ago, a 46th. So he's actually beaten you know, a third of the field or half of the field. The last two times he's played at this golf course. And the last time that he played was again, that Shinhan Donghai open a top 10. That's an event that Siwoo also played, right? So, um, just trying to do like, you know, it's like your common opponents, your, uh, your strength of schedule, all that stuff, trying to figure out who might be, uh, interesting this week. The other Asian guy uh, Asian Tour guy, sixty six hundred bucks. Kazuki Higa, he won that event, Shinhan Donghai Open. He won that. Uh, he also won the BMW International Open. I got to look at that. When was that? Kazuki Higa. Let me pull up his golfer profile. Oh, sorry, my brain malfunctioned. I think I said one, but I saw a one. It was a T ten. I don't know. The, the data was absolutely right. I don't know what I what I was reading there. So uh, that was back in June. So so these are the stats that that we have on him. Uh, he won. Less than a month ago, he missed the cut at the Open Championship. He missed the cut of the Irish Open. He finished T10 at the BMW International. He played this event last year. He finished T57. Um, maybe he's the best of like the pure Asian tour guys that we have here, Kazuki Higa. Again, I would be lying to you if I told you I knew much more than his results, but I wanted to at least uh, sort by strokes gain total here in the 6k range and see if any of those guys did pop up uh the guys that were more familiar with you know hayden buckley i actually followed hayden buckley for a little bit uh last week and he was like not playing well, right? He was very frustrated with his game. He left, I thought, a handful of strokes out there when I saw him on Friday, still finished 20th. So now we've got back-to-back top 20s for a guy that I think there's a lot more ceiling out of, which could be interesting to see if he could tap into that. Um, what else do we have here? Leha, or excuse me, Sam Ryder finished seventh at this event last year. He's playing fine, nothing to write home about. I imagine some of these guys are gonna show up in the um, in the model that we run. So we might as well just do that. Let's run a model here. Keystats model, rickrungood.com. And I want to get pretty freaky here uh, because of the unique nature of this golf course and this or of the scorecard specifically. So what I want to do, um, I'm going to give a nod to my, my own model, even though I know there's only um, two years worth of data. I am going to... Put a little bit on distance. So we're going to say 10 on distance and 10 on accuracy. That is going to be our strokes gained off the tee, essentially. Uh Then what I will do is I'm going to put like 20 on approach and 15 on bent grass putting. How much do I have left? 45. Okay, so here we go. There are five par threes. I'm going to put 20 on strokes gained par threes. I have 25 left. So I'm going to put 15 and 10 on... Actually, no. What I'll do is I'll do... 25 on strokes in par three and i've got 20 left so i'm going to put 10 on um par short par fours between and i never do this right uh 350 to 400 and long or excuse me short par fours and long par fours 450 to 500 yards which should basically cover all of them now I don't love doing this, but I feel like getting freaky. And this is such a unique scorecard. If I was ever going to get really freaky, this would be the week to do it. So let's see who my number one golfer is. And I bet you we're going to get some weird stuff. Well, not really. Xander Schauffele, number one, uh, by a mile, by the way. Wow. So Xander's value, 90.5. Great number. The next closest golfer, seventy eight. That's Sung J M. So that's a twelve point gap, which is the same gap between Sung J and like Mark Hubbard, who's eleventh. So Xander one, Sung J two, Scott Stallings three, Corey Connors four, Adam Shank didn't talk about him five, Tom Kim six, no surprise, Victor seven, Taylor Moore eight, Mito nine, Tommy Fleetwood ten. Okay, it's kind of fair, right? Uh, A couple of guys at the top that you'd expect Xander and Sung J M. They're the But number one, number two favorite Scott songs, who I said was playing above his head over his last 36. No surprise there. A guy that, um, the longer the range that you go in Corey Connors, the more exciting he becomes. So again, this is a guy I've got to make a decision on. I have to make a decision on Corey Connors. I also have to do a little research on Adam Shank. Not somebody who popped up in the original run. Want to take a look at him. Taylor Moore, I want to do a I actually watched him a little bit as well last week, but I, I, I want to look into his stats a little more. I, if I remember correctly, I liked what I saw, and he is capable of finishing inside the top 15. Then you round this out with Mito and Tommy Fleetwood inside the top 10. Like, yeah, okay, great. Awesome. I'm excited about those guys. So um really, really interesting stuff. Again, don't be the person who puts a dummy lineup in and forgets because this thing's gonna start on Wednesday night. Uh, let me know what you think. Let me know if you'll be up watching this with me. Probably be coffee golf, right? Start drinking coffee at like eight PM. See how long I can stay up for. Uh but otherwise, thanks for tuning in. You can tweet me at Rick Run Good. You can leave a comment below. Best of luck and we'll talk soon.